You are listening to the Clergy Chick Podcast. My name is Rhonda Blevins. I'm the Clergy Chick. From September the 15th, 2019 at Chapel by the Sea in Clearwater Beach, Florida. The text is Luke chapter 15, verses 1 through 10. Now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to Jesus, and the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling and saying, this fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. Which one of you, having a hundred sheep and losing one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders and rejoices. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. And just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Or what woman, having 10 silver coins, if she loses one of them, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. And just so I tell you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner repents. Today we're going to start off, I'm going to take a little poll. Anybody here an only child growing up? All right, birth order, they say that our birth order uh, shapes our personality. And so the only child, see if this rings a bell, if you know anybody that's an only child, seeks approval, sensitive, leader, confident, center of attention, mature for their age, conscientious, responsible, perfectionist. Does that sound about right? Anybody? Anybody? All right. How about firstborn? Anybody firstborn? A few more firstborns. Here are firstborns. Responsible, motivated, conscientious, controlling, Cautious, reliable, perfectionist, achiever, leader, bossy. Anybody know a firstborn? Any testimony there? All right. How about the middle child? Anybody? Oh, a lot more than I expected. Middle child. Feels left out. Everybody say, aw. Peacemaker, social, adaptable, people pleaser, can be rebellious, independent, and go-between. All right, babies, last-born child. All right, a few babies in the room. Here we go. Uncomplicated, manipulative, seeks attention, self-centered, fun, social, charming, and outgoing. Does that sound about right for the babies in the room? Well, with some trepidation and fear of being vulnerable, I will reveal to you my birth order. All right, I'm the baby. (laughs) And not only was I the baby in my family of origin, I was the youngest grandchild on my maternal side of the family, the family that we were most active with. And not only was I the only, uh, the the, the baby of, did I say I was the only grandchild? I was not, I was the baby of all the grandchildren. And not only was, was I the baby of all the grandchildren, I was the only girl among the grandchildren. 
What that means for me is that I was 42 years old before I was ever allowed to sit at the grown-up table. <laughs> and while that may not be true quite literally, it is at least figuratively true. Now, you can psychoanalyze me, if you will, and chances are I need to do a lot more work with a therapist to unpack what that means for how it has shaped me. But I suppose that's one of the reasons why the metaphor of the table is so powerful to me. Who is in at the table and who is out? And not only that, it's probably made me a bit more sensitive to when I have been excluded from other tables throughout my life, most notably the table of ordained ministry and the denomination in which I was first trained. You know, I had the wrong body parts in that denomination. That is a big part of my story, but enough about me. What about you? What's your story? What tables have you been excluded from? And maybe it's simple things like, like not making the team or not getting the job or not getting the date that you asked for. Maybe as you grew up, maybe it was not getting the promotion, not getting into that social circle. Or maybe it was more systemic deeper ingrained in our society. Maybe you were excluded because of race or gender or sexual preference or, 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 or. We all know the feeling of being excluded. If you've ever played musical chairs and lost, well, there's no chair for me. If you've ever played that game and lost, you know the feeling of being excluded. And in my estimation, there are two responses to those who have felt excluded. And these two responses becomes kind of two different kinds of people generally. The first are the excluders. Those folks take the pain of having been excluded and perpetrate that pain onto others. You know what I'm talking about. Anybody a middle school teacher here? <laughs> Yeah, okay, middle school. All right, so what happens is middle school girls, what the girls are the worst at this. The middle school girls, once they get into the in club, then they exclude the other girls who aren't in. And those middle schoolers grow up to be grown-ups. And we do it as grown-ups in more sophisticated ways. We do it in politics and we do it in, in church, unfortunately. The church that says, well, you're gay? Okay, you can come and sit in my pew, but you can't serve on the board. Or you're a woman? Oh, okay, well, you can teach the children, but you can't preach. We're not that kind of church, by the way. Thanks be to God. There are excluders in the world. You've met one or two. But then there are includers, those people who take the pain of being excluded and say, by God, I will never exclude another person. In middle school, it's the rare kid who'll seek out the kids sitting by themselves in the lunchroom, and that kid will go and join that kid at the table and make a new friend. It's a rare middle schooler. But then that middle schooler grows up and advocates for the least of these and fights for those who've been excluded from opportunity or privilege 
includers. Well, today in our gospel lesson, we find Jesus having a run-in with the in-crowd. Have you noticed that the in-crowd is always about excluding people? You ever noticed that? It's true in our life, and it was true in Jesus' time, too. He had to run in with the in-crowd, the Pharisees and the scribes, those with some power, perhaps some wealth, some prestige. And they were saying, they were, you know, they like to grumble. But Jesus likes to sit with the sinners. And so Jesus had a teachable moment, as Jesus often does. And he said, oh, yes, yeah, you're right, I do. I sit with the sinners, but let me ask you a question. If you had a hundred sheep and you lost one, wouldn't, wouldn't you go search out that sheep and wouldn't you be happy if you found it? Or if, you had a, if your wife lost a hundred dollar bill, do you, don't you think she would look for it and turn everything upside down to try to find that hundred dollar bill? And she'd be happy if she found that hundred dollars don't you think that would be the case and how does Jesus say it at the end of that what happens at the end of that story oh yeah I tell you there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents so yeah I sit with the sinners that's my interpretation I don't know if you could tell that and then Jesus goes on to say in a couple of chapters, in chapter 19, verse 10, he said, I, it's his mission, one of his mission statements. I have come, why we might ask, I have come to seek and to save that which was lost. I'm seeking the lost. Jesus was an includer. And I want to be like Jesus. A couple of weeks ago, I had the opportunity and the honor and privilege of presiding over a memorial service for Marianne McLaughlin. And as uh, I was preparing, Herb would send me a couple of things to help me in my preparation. He sent me a letter written by one of their nephews. And here's what the nephew wrote about Mary Ann. There have been times in my life where I felt alone because of the struggles life dealt me. I'm sure you are well aware your wife, Marianne, had a gift for knowing how to warmly invite troubled souls back into the fold. That herb I loved about Mary Ann. You see, Mary Ann was an includer. And I want to be like Marianne. There's a meme that's made its way around social media. Most memes are, yeah, right, I kind of ignore, but occasionally there's one I'm like, wow, that's really good. And this meme, it's a picture of this big, long table, maybe a hundred people sitting around this table, eating and drinking, table set. And the meme says this, it says, when you have more than you need, build a bigger table, not a higher fence. Love it. I don't know if this was the inspiration, but a, a pastor named John Pavlovitz wrote a book in 2017, and I'm guessing that he was inspired by that meme just like I've been. And the book was entitled, A Bigger Table, 
building messy, authentic, and hopeful spiritual community. And here's what he writes in that book. He says, one of the biggest, most damaging mistakes that too many Christians so willingly make is assuming that God is as much of a judgmental jerk as we are. But what if we can make room for difference and space for disagreement in our spiritual communities? What if we could give permission for moral failure and freedom to not be certain and the chance to gloriously fail without needing those things to become black marks against people or death penalty offenses? What if we made space for people who are just as screwed up as we are? And so I say to that, what if, church? What if? What if we could make space for saints and for sinners? What if we could make space for male and female? What if we could make space for rich and for poor? What if we could make space for black and for white? What if we could make space for citizen and immigrant? What if we could make space for gay and straight? What if we could make space for... Republican and Democrat. What if? What if we could make space for you and me? Maybe? If you've ever played musical chairs, you've been excluded. But you're not excluded here. What if we could make that kind of space? How was it Jesus said it? Remind me again. Oh, yes, it's right here. If we could make that kind of space, then what? There is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. That's what. You want to know how to make the angels happy? You build a bigger table. This is a countercultural idea. This is not what the in crowd does. If you go and you sit by that kid sitting by himself in the lunchroom, they're going to snub their nose at you just like they did at Jesus. It's countercultural, but it's what we are called to do. If you've ever felt excluded, For whatever reason, you have a place at this table. Jesus was an includer. I want to be like Jesus. Do you? Thanks for tuning in to the Clergy Chick Podcast. Until next time, keep on shining.